right, this is episode three of We Effed Up. I am Teresa. And I'm Cody. And we're here to tell you about all of the times in history where we effed up. We, as in the royal we, um, mostly, you know, men, though. Gee, thanks. I mean, am I wrong? How, how many episodes out of three have been men? Well, three, but, oh, you know. Yeah, see, that's what I thought. How about we rename the podcast Men Effed Up? Well, the next, like, ten episodes are all about women. No, so. they're not. Yeah, they are. <laughs> now you're going to go back through and make sure that they are. Yeah, I'm going to throw out all my notes for episode four, and we're going to start over on that one. And <laughs> oh, man. Honestly, okay. the first episode six are all men. So. Mm, that's what I thought. But don't you worry. You're, the, the fairer sex will be included at some point. <laughs> See? But they're called the fair sex for a reason. Anyways, who's our uh, t- topic of discussion tonight? Uh, tonight we're going to talk about General Bishop Leonidas Polk. So he was a general and a bishop? Yes, he was. But general, so your military rank comes first and then your your religious rank? I don't know. It's the Confederacy. Who gives a damn? <laughs> okay. Uh, so, yeah, so... Uh, Ooh, he's a Confederate. Yes. Okay, well so, then we already have enemy numero uno. Yes, we do. Okay, all right. Uh, so, Leonidas Polk, uh, he was a Confederate general uh, during the American Civil War, obviously. Uh, and he was instrumental in a pretty big F up at the beginning of the war. Okay. Uh, so, I'll, I'll get into that here in a moment. But okay. uh, the area of the United States we're going to talk about today is uh, Kentucky. Okay. Uh, what well versed in Kentucky? Myself. Being uh, from there, my my dad's family is from Kentucky, and so is my mom's family. So this is my father's family. Uh, so Kentucky, uh, it was originally a part of Virginia uh, before it became the fifteenth state in 1792, uh, and it was the first state west of the Appalachian Mountains. Okay, so this is when Virginia was Virginia and West Virginia. Right? Yes, yeah, okay. both were. Yeah, they were both together. Okay, uh, West Virginia didn't get lopped off until. Uh, the Civil War. Okay, makes sense. All right. Uh, Kentucky, and having been part of Virginia, it inherited uh, something it probably should not have inherited from Virginia, slavery. Oh, okay. I see. Uh, and its location uh, meant that Kentucky uh, was a conduit for escaping slaves. Okay. Because uh, the northern border is the Ohio River. You just get over that river, you're in free state territory, mm-hmm. and also like from the Ohio River, like in Cincinnati... Uh, it's n- not compared to other parts of the country. It's really not that far to Canada, which sure. is usually the ultimate goal. Yeah. If the borders are still the same there, then you could really theoretically just go up into Michigan and hop over yep. into Windsor, or you could you go up through Lake Buffalo. Erie. Yeah. Yeah. So back then, though, just to clarify, Kentucky was had slavery, but was not necessarily like part of the Confederacy, right? I'll, I'll get into that. Okay. All right. Um, Pause so, on that. Yeah, so it, and it had uh, competing pro and anti-slavery factions. It was not like a, like some of the, like the deep South states, sure. like Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, like where like everybody was pro-slavery, where it yeah. was so integrated into life. Kentucky was in between the free and uh, real hard slave states, so uh-huh. it was, had both pro and anti-slavery factions. Okay. Um. So it's kind of like a border state, like it had. Yeah, well, both... that's exactly what it was called during the Civil War. A, a border, border state. state yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, Kentucky, Missouri, West Virginia, and Maryland. Okay. Um, fast forward uh, to... 18- oh, wait. Maryland? Yeah. Okay. Say, can you repeat the... the Missouri, Stacey? Kentucky, West Virginia, Maryland. Is is it just because Maryland was bordered with Canada? 
Maryland does not border Canada. Why then? <laughs> no, I'm thinking we've, Maine. We've been to Maryland. Oh, yep. Okay, it's off of Virginia. Right. Okay. Maine and Maryland, not the same state. No. I effed up. Yes, you did. <laughs> okay. Uh, fast forward 1860. Um, Abraham Lincoln is elected president in November of 1860. And at that point, secession, that like really kicks into high gear, the whole talk of secession. Uh, and South Carolina becomes the first state to declare it in December of 1860. Uh, the election of Lincoln was seen as, you know, to, uh, from the pro-slavery factions in the South that they're going to try to get rid of slavery. They're going to try to get rid of slavery. Okay. Uh, because that had been uh, kind of a key plank of the Republican Party platform. Okay. Um, was getting rid of slavery. Not necessarily getting rid of it, but not letting it expand. Ah, and okay. letting it expand was seen as vital to the survival of slavery to the South. Oh, okay. Because if we spread it out, it's going to be everywhere. It's going to be harder to get rid of. Ah, okay, I see. Uh, so. And just to clarify, back then, at this point in time, Republican and Democrat interests were kind of reversed from what yes. they are today, right? Yeah, not to say current Republicans want people to be enslaved, but yeah, yeah the parties go through... Kind permutations and shifts over, you know, this century and a half that yeah. the two of them have been the so two li- main parties. Like Lincoln was a Republican, but Lincoln was definitely against per- slavery. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, and w- maybe a more liberal president. Yeah. Y- yes. Okay. Um, Continue. So Kentucky, since it is has kind of you know, these both pro and anti-slavery factions, they start arming themselves. Oh, wow. Because okay. there's a faction that wants Kentucky to secede with the rest of the South. There's a faction that doesn't. And the solution in Kentucky for all problems is make sure you have a gun. Yes. Okay. Um, and Kentucky, it was like I've, it was very important to either side. Uh, okay. So to the South, it would be important to have Kentucky on their side because then they could cut off access to the Ohio River. Sure. Um, for the Union, it was very important because keeping the Ohio River clear of obstacle or keep fighting away from it because you could then sail troops down the ohio river from the east Mm. down to the mississippi to the mississippi and you could just go and from there like down just through the heart of the south okay so So it's a supply chain yes they wanted supplies anything so they wanted to keep their supply chain open yes so that and they wanted both sides of it to be protected yes okay understand yeah if one side is not it, it makes it much harder to do that sure uh, so they wanted it free of obstacles. Yes, and I'm sure a small portion free so that escaping slaves could still cross it relatively unhindered. Yes. Okay. Uh, and Lincoln underscored Kentucky's importance uh, by saying that to quote lose Kentucky would be to lose the whole game. End quote. Okay. So I think he I've thought like that. if they lost Kentucky, we're gonna lose the war. Yeah, it's 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 clutch right there for yeah. getting troops and supplies down from the north to the south. Considering where the delineation was, it was pretty clutch for them to keep that. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense why he would be so adamant about keeping Kentucky. Yes. Uh, and Lincoln had some uh, roots in Kentucky. Uh, he had been born in February 1809 in present-day LaRue County, Kentucky. Yep, yep. Uh, before he had you know, moved on to Indiana and Illinois. Uh, and he was obviously a lawyer in Illinois before the war. And he'd helped found the Republican Party in Illinois. So he was, it, another thing, like he was seen as like, the embodiment, uh, the embodiment of it, because he helped found it in 
Oh, okay. Okay, I didn't know Uh, that, but all right. Yeah. So, uh, his opposite number in the Confederacy uh, was, of course, Jefferson Davis. Sure, uh, right. President of the Confederacy, who, weirdly enough, had also been born in Kentucky. Interesting. He'd been born in June 1808 in Fairview, Kentucky. So, they were born, like, less than a year apart, about 30 miles from each other. Wow. Wow. Well... Makes sense. Uh, It's interesting that fate would have them be born so close together and yet be so far apart. Yeah. I mean, uh, he, Jefferson Davis, would move to Mississippi uh, later on. Uh, He served in the Mexican-American War and later a U.S. Senator from Mississippi and U.S. Secretary of War, which back then was kind of like Secretary of Defense or Secretary of the Army type of thing. Okay. Uh, But he was elected as President of the Confederacy. In February 1861, a couple months before the war actually started. Okay. In April. Um, so, the southern states secede, Fort Sumter's fired upon, war begins. Where's Fort Sumter? Uh, South Carolina. Oh, that's right, yeah. that's right. Um, so, and uh, both Lincoln and Davis need to fill out the their armies. Uh, Lincoln calls for 75,000 troops to put down the rebellion. That leads more states to secede, like Tennessee, Virginia, Um Davis also calls on troops, and there was a certain type of general that both sides utilized during the war called a political general. Okay. Basically, you had your actual generals who actually knew how to fight and actually had to lead, and you had your political generals who the president was just like, you, you're a general. Okay. A lot of times they were given to political buddies. Sure. So... Yeah. Uh, some of the more famous ones in the North were like Benjamin Butler, uh, Dan Sickles, like these people who probably weren't really qualified to actually be generals, but were given positions for political purposes. Okay. I don't know who either of those people are, but uh, but they were basically figureheads. Dan Sickles is a very interesting person. He's not relevant to this story, but just as a side note, looking at Dan Sickles, very, very interesting person. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um... But anyway, uh, so one of these uh, political generals that Jefferson Davis appoints is Leonidas Polk, who is the subject of uh, this episode. Maybe not the subject, but the uh, effer-upper of this episode. <laughs> effer-upper, I like that. Effer-upper. Um, a little bit about old Leonidas. Uh, he had been born in April 1806 in Raleigh, North Carolina. Okay. Uh, his father had been a veteran in the American Revolutionary War. He'd been wounded. Um he was also a landowner. Uh, he, Leonidas Polk was also a second cousin to James K. Polk. Uh, Thought so. The president. Because, um, you know, In- everybody's related to each other. Interesting fact and interjection real quick. Uh, Revolutionary War veterans were given land, so it makes sense that his dad was a landowner. Yep. Because for their service, they were given certain parcels of land. I learned that the other day when I went to the Adena Mansion in Chillicothe. Because the... Thomas Worthington, the one of the founders of Ohio, uh, was a surveyor of land, and mm-hmm. he actually ended up owning 25,000 acres all across the state of Ohio because he was a surveyor, and if the Revolutionary War veterans didn't want that parcel of land, he was able to buy it at a discounted price. So he owned 25,000 acres of land all over America. Or, I mean, all over Ohio. And Thomas Worthington, side note. I mean, Ohio basically is America, so that's fine. It's fine to get that mixed up. Um, yes, yes, that makes sense. I get called out for thinking that Maine and Maryland are the same thing, but Ohio is America. Perfect sense. It is. Exactly. Um, Polk was admitted to the United States Military Academy, or West Point, in 
He graduated in 1827. Uh, out of a class of 38, he was eighth. So, yeah, pretty, pretty good. Middle. Top 33%. Yeah, so, yeah. Okay. Pretty, pretty solid. Uh, he befriended Jefferson Davis at West Point. Okay. Uh, Davis also attended. That, um, that always happens. Like, I'm, people, influential people always end up roll, rubbing elbows at West Point. Okay. That's not the first time and well, definitely right not there. the last. Huh? Well, Jeff, uh, I don't recall offhand, but I didn't. I didn't write that out because uh, okay. it's not relevant. But okay. Uh, the, the only people whose rankings I know offhand, I know that Robert E. Lee, I think, was second in his class, and George Armstrong Custer was dead last in his class. <laughs> which, but he graduated. He graduated, but well, yeah. Well. D is for <laughs> diploma. That's for another. C's a degree. C's a degree. <laughs> yeah. And D is also a degree, though, depending yeah. on what you're... Anyways. Anyway, Polk, uh, he underwent a religious awakening while he was at West Point. He started to question things. And... Wait, is it prison? <laughs> I mean, I mean, in some ways it kind of is. It's sort of weird that he would have a religious awakening at a military academy. Uh, well, he, he met, he met, um, like, uh, he met a uh, religious uh, evangelist and kind of had this awakening. Um, okay. At the academy? He, yeah. I mean, they could, you know, have, have, I mean, have religious services there. He probably oh. heard the guy speak. And, okay. All right. Know, was cool. like, oh, I'm awakened. Um, That's how it works. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm awakened. I'm just, uh, now all I can hear in my head is like the Force Awakens trailer. Like Snoke just like, there's been an awakening. Have <laughs> you felt it? That's, it. well, you know what? Polk felt it. He felt it. He felt it up. Um. <laughs> Uh, he graduated, but he resigned his army commission only six months after graduating. Wow. So really the, ar- the army was probably like, wow, we invested four years in you and we got six months. That's great. Yeah. Uh, to enter the Virginia Theological Seminary. Oh, so he's trying to be... Okay. All right, cool. Trying to be a god man. Yeah. Um, he's like, I found my calling. Yep. I messed up. He, he married Fanny Devereaux in May 1830. Uh, she was a great-granddaughter of the Puritan theologian Jonathan Edwards. And since her name is Fanny Devereaux, I like to think she's an ancestor of Blanche Devereaux. <laughs> she's a very, very early ancestor of Blanche Devereaux. Yeah. And she just waltzed around with her hand on her chest, like, squinting. And she was also a slut. <laughs> oh, oh, boy, okay. <laughs> well, she was a Puritan, ancestor of a Puritan. I don't Descend- know. She- yeah, well, I mean, you know, got, got to rebel against her family. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um... Polk was ordained as a deacon in the Episcopal Church in May 1831, um, and he was later consecrated as a bishop in December 1838, and he was elected the Bishop of Louisiana in October of uh, 1841. Reminds me of True Blood. Yeah, I know. He 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 laughs at the whole vampire, vampire king of Louisiana. He laughs it at the vampire king ridiculous. of Louisiana, but the bishop of wherever is not that big. What? Anyway, if you let me get through anyway, what I'm saying, anyway, then I wouldn't be repeating myself. Anyway, uh, side note from him being elected as a bishop, uh, something to keep in mind. By 1840, which is like the year before he's elected bishop of Louisiana, uh, he was the largest slaveholder in Maury County, Tennessee. He owned over 400 slaves. Cool. Great. So this bishop owned 400 slaves. Cool. Well, this is the state of the South at the time. We know that religious people did not necessarily, they were not necessarily anti-slave then. So, and often, obviously, it was so much of a cultural thing down there that 
it was like not it was seen as being exempt from morality like yeah. from even being discussed well, and not about only morality. even that by this point you had started to get the attitude that many people thought that slavery was a good thing uh-huh. because they were they, they were protecting the slaves from sure their own ineptitude because they could they couldn't take care of themselves right you know and how are they supposed to learn how to function without without the guiding hand of the white man to show them and, yeah because at this point black people were still seen yeah. as a totally different species yeah. so they were not seen as being people who were capable of taking care of themselves and savages and things like right. that so at the time it was such a part of the cultural milieu that yeah. Even somebody who was elected a bishop yep. was uh, was basically a slaveholder, the biggest in his county, and everybody is just like, oh no, this is fine. Yep. This is great. Yeah. Cool. Uh, he co-founded the University of the South in 1857. Uh, it still exists today. Great. Um, it's a religious... Uh, seminary? Yes. I mean, not seminary, but like a religious school. Like Liberty University? Or, like, sponsored school, maybe. I don't know okay. if it's that bad, but... Where is it? Tennessee? Yeah. Okay. Um, or maybe something like UD, maybe. I mean... Oh, okay. So, like, because he was a... Episcopalian. It, Episcopalian. Yeah. So, so it's, it's like an Episcopalian school. Yeah. As where UD is, like, a Catholic school. Yeah. Well, if, I think Episcopalian is Catholic light, isn't it? It's like Anglican. So, so an like, offshoot like, of the like, Catholic like, Church. Like Church of England. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, so. that's what Anglican is. I know what Anglican is. So, so Episcopalian, though, is like an offshoot of the Catholic Church, which is why they're still able to have bishops. So when we're thinking about General Bishop Polk, we shouldn't be thinking bishop like Pope Bishop. We should be thinking like light. Yeah. <laughs> bishop light. Yes. Because women can be bishops in the Episcop- yeah. Episcopalian Church. Yep. So just keep that in mind as you're listening. This is not a Pope situation. This no. is not Catholicism. Yeah. No. This is Episcopalian. Polk, uh, upon the establishment of the Confederacy... Um, he separated the Louisiana Diocese from the U.S. Episcopalian Church and founded the Episcopal Church of the Confederate States of America. Wow. Yes. Well, he was the vampire king of Louisiana, so... We we see a kind of similar situation, like, uh, recently, like, the Orthodox Church in Ukraine separated themselves from the Russian Orthodox Church because Russia invaded Crimea? I can't talk. Crimea? Crimea. And the eastern parts of Ukraine, so the Ukrainian Orthodox Church was like, all we're right, mad. see ya. Yeah. We're, we're, we're we don't want to be associated this. with you. Okay. So, um, okay. And uh, when someone asked Polk if he was uh, essentially taking off the gown of the clergy mm-hmm. and putting uh, and putting on the sword of war, he stated, no, sir, I am buckling the sword over the gown. Oh, okay. So he's like, I'm still going to be a bishop, but I can be a general, too, and, or, a, and order people to their death. In his head, he was like, I'm a crusader. God. For slavery, really. Yeah. For, for you know, his homeland, so. That's crazy. So, so that's a little bit of background on Polk. Okay. Um, so he's, he's uber religious, big slaveholder. Yes. Okay. So. Big slave owner, sorry, not slave owner. Uh, yeah. Um, so back to kind of the situation at hand, or, or really uh, Kentucky. Uh, another important player in the events is a man named Bariah McGoffin. Uh, okay. The governor of Kentucky at this time. Bariah? Bariah. B-E-R-I-A-H. Bariah. MacGuffin sounds like a fake made-up last name. Well, 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 I'm going to take a MacGuffin on that. Well, his father was an Irish immigrant. so. 
<laughs> is it McGuffin? No, it's M-A-G-O-F-F-I-N. It's McGuffin. McGuffin. Wow, that's still a made-up name. Uh, Brian McGuffin is he... not real. Is that an anagram? If I scramble up the things, is it going to be like, Teresa, you're dumb? No, if I want to say that, I'd type it on there. Oh, God, okay. Uh, um, he'd been born in April of 1815 in Harrodsburg, Kentucky. Uh, his lawyer, or his father was an Irish immigrant, and Mariah was uh, a lawyer and a Democratic Party activist in antebellum Kentucky, so like in the period before the war. Okay. Um, he had been elected governor of Kentucky in 1859. He was a proponent of states' rights, like many other Democrats, but he also wanted to preserve the Union. Right. Uh, so he wasn't, like, you know, hell-bent on keeping slavery, um... Like, like at the expense of the union he wanted the sure. union to be preserved so it was like most of the founding fathers like we want the states to be independent but we also want them to be unified mm. for the country yeah i mean I don't, I don't know if most of the founding fathers held that view but okay um but yeah he, he that, that's kind of what he wanted uh he proposed several constitutional amendments to kind of resolve that crisis mm-hmm. uh maybe like don't let slavery expand, but the federal government can't interfere in it mm-hmm. in the South or where it exists. You know, that stuff. But, you know, they didn't go anywhere. Uh, he wanted to call a convention to determine Kentucky's course. Okay. Like, hey, have all of our leaders come together and figure out what we're going to do. The state legislature refused it. Mm. The, the, the state legislature was uh, mostly pro-union. Okay. Uh, but they weren't. there weren't enough of them to say, like, oh, we're no, we're, we're in the union. So they, they kind of had to, like, let things play out. Oh, okay. Uh, when President Lincoln called for 75,000 troops after Fort Sumter, like I mentioned earlier, McGoffin stated, quote, I will not send a man nor a dollar for the wicked purpose of subduing my sister southern states, end quote. Okay. He just didn't, he did not want a conflict. Sure. He wanted this resolved peacefully. Because he also refused the southern call for troops. Okay. Uh, in May 1861, the legislature ended up declaring its neutrality. Like, Kentucky was like, we're just, we're just going to stay out of it. Oh, staying. We're yep. Sweden. Or, yep. is it Sweden? So it's, uh, Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. We're Switzerland. We're out. I mean, I Sweden, even... Sweden kind of stays out, too. I don't know if Switzerland is even exists at that point. At this point? Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, um, Swiss, they're, they're like, we're Switzerland. Just keep your, keep your crap out of here. Yeah. Uh, and McGoffin sent letters to both Lincoln and Davis asserting Kentucky's neutral position. Man, that had to be tough to be like, yes, I'm refusing both presidents. We don't want any part of this. Yeah. So he, yeah, I mean, he was walking a tightrope. Uh, so the war, um, beginning months of the war, uh, they progress, uh, the troops form up. You have your first few battles, mostly in the East, but you have some in the West, uh, there was a general underneath Polk. Uh, I guess I didn't actually get to his appointment, which is, that's a big deal. So, uh, Davis appoints Polk as a major general. Okay. In May of 1861. Yeah. Major general, like, at the time, it was like, there weren't really four-star generals yet. Sure. There weren't even really three-star generals. Okay. So, like, your two-star major general was, like, your top guy. Okay. So... So he did have some military training, but not necessarily appropriate to be no, appointed. No, he, he 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 had attended West Point like uh, like several decades before. Right. 
Like, like, so he was no longer appropriate. Yeah, he to graduated in 1827 and left six months after that. So he had not had any sort of military experience for over 30 years. Okay. He had been there, but, like, it would be like saying, like, yeah, I teach school now 30 years later. I went to school. Yeah, I've been there. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but, he, but he had not been practicing. He had been right. a religious person right. this entire time. So now he's a general, and it's like... I know the theory. Yeah. Some of it. <laughs> uh, he's given command of troops in uh, western Tennessee, kind of okay. along the Mississippi River. And so, so sorry, you said that these generals were, these political generals were mostly, like, appointed for kind of, like, show? Like, they weren't... Not necessarily show, just as a political favor. Okay. So... Or, like, a, you know, appointing your buddy in this instance. But they, they still had command of troops, though. Yes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So these weren't just like figureheads, like dudes who sit on horses who are like. No, these people commanded actual troops. Wow. This sounds like a terrible idea. It was. <laughs> For both sides, yeah. Like, yes. Like this is not good. Like no. It's like like okay, guy who sells shoes at the mall who's nineteen. Do you want to operate on me? Yeah. Now, like put a heart catheter in. I could <laughs> like, see like getting like anybody who had any prior military experience come back and we'll give you something. Uh huh. But putting them in charge of entire army, sure, not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, not a good idea. Okay. And we'll see. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Um, one of his subordinates is a man by the name of uh, Brigadier General Gideon Pillow. <laughs> Cody, these are not real names. You're. This is. I'm getting punked right now. <laughs> no. Mariah McGoffin, and this guy's name is Pillow. <laughs> Leonidas. No, these are real people. Am I, I getting punked? Are no. you and Steven on this? I have pictures of these people. I'll show you. Here, let me let me just prove this to you. Okay, there, well, there's Lincoln. That's Lincoln, Cody. I know who that is. <laughs> that, that's uh, that's McGoffin right there. That's Pillow. <laughs> no, that, that, that's McGoffin. <laughs> is he Michael Jackson's kid? What? No, his kid's name is Blanket. Oh my god. <laughs> That's where he got the inspiration Jesus. from. Anyway. Like Leonidas Pillow. Oh, I'm going to name Gideon my kid Pillow Blanket. Gideon Pillow and Leonidas Polk. Oh, whatever. But here's McGoffin. McGoffin. Yeah. Okay. Um, there, that's Gideon Pillow right there. This is after the war, but that's Gideon Pillow. You can tell me that that's Pillow, but that doesn't mean that that's really his name, number one. And number two, that Pillow is a real person. What was his rank? What did you say his rank? Brigadier General. No. Um, yes. Um, there's Je- General Pillow. There's Je- there's Please Je- come help there's me. There's Jefferson Davis. Yeah, I know Jefferson uh, Davis. Uh, da, 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 da. That's Leonidas Polk as a bishop. <laughs> of co- well, of course. <laughs> he doesn't just dress like that. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and that's him as a general. Wow. I'm surprised he didn't, you know, just put the robe over the, like, just combine the two. <laughs> just, just strap the sword on? Like, yeah. all right, cool. Got it. Uh, so, yeah, so... Um, he's given command of troops in eastern Kentucky in this area over here. Folks, just so or, you know. Or western Kentucky. When Cody showed me a Gideon pillow, he just showed me a picture of a pillow. So don't be <laughs> no, tricked. I, I showed you a picture of the my pillow guy. <laughs> no. No. We're not going to talk about that guy. No. No. Gideon pillow. All right. Bring the general pillow. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine to laugh at him because he fights for the Confederacy. So just, go ahead and laugh for I all you want. I just want to, like, I, I'm imagining this guy who's just in a Confederate uniform, but he has a pillow strapped to him. <laughs> It's just like, General Pillow, help me, help me, General Pillow. Anyway, uh, he was convinced that taking uh, uh, Columbus, Kentucky, which is in like the the far, like, western tip of Kentucky is essential to the defense of Tennessee. So, 
So like this area, like there's Columbus right there. Okay. So like this is like on the on the Mississippi River. It's like really close to Illinois, Missouri. Yeah, Missouri, yeah. So so like, okay. but if you but uh, it kind of overlooks the Mississippi River. Okay. So it has kind of like a, a, a tactical advantage over it. So sure. Kind of monitor it. Okay. But if um, the Union took that, they could easily like move down here into Western Tennessee. Okay. So they. they Pillow was convinced that, you know, this would be the Union plan. Um, Pillow was convinced. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, so, and he manages to convince Polk of this as well. Is it spelled and, like Pillow? Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Still stuck on the Pillow thing. Okay, so he's like, all right, let's go to Columbus. Yeah. And Polk is like, yeah. yep, into it. Um, and part of the... The apprehension about this is that there have been Union activity both on the opposite of the, uh, of the river in Missouri, uh, and there had been activity in Illinois, in southern Illinois. Like the, There was a large force of troops in Cairo, Illinois, which is like the very southern tip of Illinois. Okay. Under the command of a name that you probably should know, one Ulysses S. Grant. Oh, it's, it's Ulysses Grant, not uh, Senator Comforter, <laughs> or whatever <laughs> Sorry, sorry. I know I'm messing this up. Yeah. Senator Comforter. You, you you distracted me so much I didn't even get to go into Pillow's like backstory. <laughs> I'm so, are you joking or are no? You I'm not joking. You like you you, you derailed, derailed this enough. I derailed yes. Pillow, Pillow's backstory. Pillow. Is his mom named Feather? No. Is his dad's name? All right, Brigadier um, General Pillow, what is his uh, He'd been born in June 1806 in Williamson County, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, he'd served in the Mexican-American War. Uh, he'd been court-martialed for insubordination, uh, but he was exonerated with influence from his friend, President James K. Polk. Oh. Yes. Okay. Uh, he was commissioned as a Brigadier General in the Confederacy in July 1861. He was placed under Polk, uh, Lenai's Polk's command. Okay. So anyway, uh, and his opposite number in Illinois... Ulysses S. Grant, uh, he'd been born in April 1822 in Point Pleasant, Ohio. So he's kind of, he's significantly younger than a lot of these other sure. guys we've yeah. talked about. Uh, he had also served in the Mexican-American War. Uh, so many of these guys so far, the, the big players have. Oh, yeah, like uh, Jefferson Davis serves. Yeah, yeah. Um, Pillow, Grant, Robert E. Lee serves in it. Okay. James Longstreet. Okay. Um, like a lot, like a lot, like the Mexican American War. Like if you just go through like a lot of the battles, you'll see like oh that guy, that guy, like all these significant players in the Civil War. They kind of like, you know, uh, cut their chops in the Mexican American. Oh, War. Okay, I see. So that was like their training ground. Uh, yeah, um, like kind 15, of. Yeah, like fifteen years earlier. So. And also, it's interesting that Leonidas Polk, who is third cousins, second, second cousins of James Polk, mm-hmm. and now we have. Um, Pillow. Pillow. Who've been friends with him. Right, exactly. So there's a a great deal of nepotism that's happening. Yeah. So often in these stories, it's like you end up hearing names, repeating names. Oh, yeah. Well, like our first episode, like Roosevelt and Schwarzkopf. Yeah, exactly. And Dulles. So it's like you see all the, like, everybody's related. Yeah. They they either work together or serve together or they're related or something like that. So it's, it's a really small world in terms of, like, early, like... Not, uh, I guess not even early, but like Civil War politics. It's pretty mm, yeah. small. Uh, Grant, as I said, he served in Mexico. 
uh, and resigned from the army in 1854, uh, okay. and spent several fruitless years as a businessman. Oh, uh, he said he's a terrible businessman. Like Grant might have been the stupidest person who ever existed when it came to money. Oh, but one of the like best generals this country has ever produced. Do you know what his business was about? Like he tried various things, like farming. Uh, like various enterprises that just failed. He eventually okay. had to work in his father's tannery. Yeah, he, wow. which he did not like. Um, but once the war broke out, uh, he submitted. I'm going back to war, mother. Uh, pretty much. Oh boy. Uh, he rejoined the army uh, initially as a colonel. Uh, okay. But he was pretty much immediately. Uh, I mean, not immediately, but a few months in the war, he's promoted to brigadier general in August 1861. Really, just a few days. Before the events uh, that we're going to talk about here in okay. a moment. Um, so he was like immediately promoted and then... Yeah, like, okay. like he had just taken command of these troops in Cairo, Illinois. Okay. Uh, one other player we really should know um, before we actually get into the events of the story. A man by the name of John C. Fremont. Okay. Uh, if you ever been up to Fremont, Ohio, nope. uh, up in the north of the state, it's named after him. Okay. Also the hometown of Rutherford B. Hayes, who I just read a biography about. That's why it's fresh in my mind. Okay. So, um... Where is from... Can you just say, is it close to, like, Toledo, Cleveland? Uh, Toledo. Okay. Oh, it's up near the... Up is it off of 75? Actually, uh, it, is it Fremont City? No, it's just Fremont. Oh, okay. It's, it's like, a, It's kind of, like, southeast of Toledo. So. Okay. I think, actually, we drove back through there when we were coming... Th- they have a really big antique mall there. Continue. <laughs> uh, Fremont had been born in January 1813 in Savannah, Georgia, so he's actually from the South. He's from Savannah. Savannah, Georgia. It rolls off the tongue like molasses. All right, sorry. Uh, he had, uh, in the military, he led several expedi- expeditions into the West, just exploring or what have you, like in the Southwest, and he'd been nicknamed the Pathfinder of the West. Interesting. Yes. So he's like, I'm bored. Let's go. Well, I mean, he's ordered to go here, but... Oh, I see. Uh, he had some controversial actions during the Mexican-American War, which, again, another guy. It led to his court-martial and resignation. Ooh. Um, especially important in California history. Um, okay. He was one of California's first two senators when it became a state. Interesting. Uh, in the 1850s. Um that was part of the controversy, like him and California, like the bear flag republic. Um, like, you know, like California has a bear on its flag. Uh-huh. That's what it's from. Like an initial declaration of a republic uh-huh. um, that wasn't authorized by the United States. Oh, so they're like, we're a state. And the U.S. is like, news no. to us. <laughs> yeah, we haven't even negotiated you coming over from Mexico yet. We didn't even, we didn't even talk about this, bruh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry, um, I, I'm okay. My uh, eyeball is twitching. Yeah. I, or my, not my eyeball, my eyelid. So I'm just trying to get it to stop, because I know it's going to be distracting to you if you look at me and my eye, my eyelid is twitching. Because you're just itching to laugh at pillow more. <laughs> no. Um. Although I think that might be what triggered it again. Normally if I drink too much coffee, this Karma. is what happens. Um, <laughs> Karma? Anyway, uh, been one of California's first two centers. Twitch then. And in 1856, he was the first nom- first presidential nominee of the brand spanking new Republican Party. Wow, okay. Like the very first presidential nominee for the GOP. So, that's interesting because 
Lincoln helped to found the party. Yeah, but Lincoln, like he, like he wasn't like the most he'd ever done at this point. He'd served a few terms, or not, no, I think he served one term in Congress in the oh. 1840s. So he's like, I'm a footman. I'm not doing uh, that. Uh, yeah, or like okay. kind of like a not a backroom guy, but like more like a guiding person in it. He's um, not the leader. He's like, I can help lead, yeah. but I'm not the and, and leader. And also, he, he didn't really have a national profile at that point. Fremont did. Oh, okay. Because so, like, he's like, I went over to California and was like, yeah, we're a knew, state now. Everybody knew who he was. And also, uh, <laughs> well, his, his father-in-law was a U.S. senator named Thomas Benton. Oh. Who also kind of like pushed his career on. Cool nepotism. Some more. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Neat. Uh, so, uh, like I said, he left, he left the army after the Mexican-American War, but... He was appointed a major general at the beginning of the war and given command of the uh, western area of uh, the western theater okay. of the war. So, like, Missouri, Tennessee, uh, Illinois. By Kentucky. the Confederacy. No, by the Union. No, he's, oh. still, you know, he's a Union man. Okay. Yeah, okay. He, yeah he, he's a Union. Okay. Um, Interesting that uh, during the Civil War, they were like, he got court-martialed? Doesn't matter. Come on, come on back. They just needed dudes. They needed bodies. <laughs> They're like, you've been in the war before, right? He's like, yeah, I got court-martialed for doing terrible, terrible things. And they're like, don't care. Come on. Yep. <laughs> wow. Cool. All right. They, they needed people. Sure. All right. <laughs> like, like armies at this time, you didn't really have large standing armies. like Well, even like you do now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it basically was a call to arms yes. because they didn't have arms. You had, you had some, but like most, like the bulk of the armed forces were like militia. Right, right, right. And really, like during the Civil War, like uh, there was your regular army, mm-hmm. and then there was what was called the Volunteer Corps. Right, right. Of the whole Union Army, ninety-six percent was the Volunteer Corps. Right. So, like the vast, vast majority were volunteers. Okay. Um, Grant. Uh, he ordered to, in order to occupy Cairo, Illinois, which is, like I said, the very southern tip mm-hmm. of Illinois. Uh, there's Fremont. There's a picture of Fremont. So that's okay. what he liked. He looked like. That's um, what he liked. <laughs> <laughs> well, Fremont also liked himself a lot. Yeah. He, he had a very large ego. He that picture is fancy. Of all the pictures we've seen of these folks, he's, the, he's, got, he's got a straw hat there. He's got a straw hat. He's got a real nice suit on, and he's like looking off into the distance, like look how everybody look how good I look. Hmm, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so like, yeah, so like here, here's Columbus, Kentucky, here's Cairo, Illinois. So like, they're very close to each other. Okay. Um, and so Grant takes command of those troops in late August, 1861. Cool. Uh, and so, as I mentioned, Pillow convinced Polk that a Union attack was going to be imminent. Okay. Both armies were under orders not to go to Kentucky. Because again, Kentucky had, uh, declared its neutrality, right, if you remember. Right. So, so they, they can't. Yeah. And it's Wiley's thought that like hey you know whoever goes in there first kentucky's gonna be like hey you violated our neutrality we're gonna go with the opposite guy Ooh, okay so, so they're under orders, like yeah so okay. but this is where they f up Ooh. because regardless of this polk orders pillow to occupy columbus kentucky on september 4th 1861 Whew. even though he's well aware that kentucky has said this when they get to uh, Columbus, he orders a, like a big chain put across the Mississippi River to control traffic. Wow. Uh, well, it fails like shortly after. It just so, it, was, it was not well made. One guy just dropped the side of the chain and he was like, oh, dang. <laughs> and the other guy on the other side of the river is like, you dropped... We'd spent all that time getting the chain across the river. Yeah, it, it was garbage. <laughs> That's. I'm just imagining that guy like, oh. <laughs> My chain. I, I dropped the 
chain. And then the guy on the other side of the river is like, are you kidding me? And we dragged this chain over there for three days. Uh, the Confederate Secretary of War, Leroy Walker, he ordered Polk to withdraw. Mm-hmm. And both President Jefferson Davis and uh, Governor Isham Harris of Tennessee, they demanded an explanation for Polk. Like, like why'd you violate their neutrality? They specifically said, don't violate our neutrality. And Polk was just dumb and was like, go in there anyways, guys. Yep. And so everybody important was like, Yeah. what? Yeah. <laughs> don't do that. Why'd you do that? Uh, Polk justified his actions with his observations of union movements. He was convinced that the union was going to come in there anyway. And they need to get there first to defend Tennessee. Cool. Which, it's it's possible that Fremont was so incompetent he might have blundered into it anyway. Okay. So it's kind of like, who would F up first? <laughs> okay. It, ju- it just so happened to be Polk. Okay. But so, what if Fremont was actually in there first? We'd and be, we'd be talking went- about him. And then he just went in there, and then he was like, whoa, I'm in Kentucky. I'm leaving. We, we, we'd probably... Uh, yeah. Okay. So, um, so, in response to Polk's movement, uh, Union forces under Grant occupied Paducah, Kentucky, which is just north of it. Let me pull up that map here again. So, you see, like, here's here's Columbus. That's where Polk occupies. You see, like, the little area, like, Polk mm-hmm. going there. Mm-hmm. Grant is here in Cairo. Mm-hmm. And he goes over here to Paducah, Kentucky, which is kind of like up the Ohio River a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so it's so he can like kind of get the jump on them, like come around and like flank them. Okay. So that's why he goes there. Um, and it's fine for him to go there because it's like, well, they violated their neutrality first. Um, Kentucky's like, please so, just leave. Please, everybody just get out. So the state legislature held the Confederacy responsible. Regardless of what Jefferson Davis said, like, no, we, we didn't mean to do this. Doesn't matter. They're like, you did it, They man. demanded the withdrawal of Confederate troops and aligned with the Union over the governor's veto. Wow. The governor still wanted to be neutral. And people were like, nope, no, they done did it, no. man. Um, so, so yeah. It, and like I said, Fremont, it's possible he was he's bungling things in Missouri. He might have violated the neutrality anyway. Uh, Fremont, uh, well, we'll get to that in a minute. But, okay. um, so, yeah. So, Kentucky, firmly now on the side of the Union. Uh, there was a, uh, supposedly a, well, not supposedly there was, but a government in exile, so to speak, like mm-hmm. a Confederate, uh, like opposite government of Kentucky. So like, like okay. basically just declare like these people who just d- did not agree with uh, the actions of the legislature, <laughs> like, like, all right, well, you guys are invalid. Um, huh. That's so they're why, like, we're a sovereign nation. Well, that's why, yeah, yeah, we we are really the ones who are speaking for Kentuckians, and we want to join the Confederacy. Okay, and that's why that's part of why the Confederate flag has as many stars as it does. Because if you add up the number of Confederate states, and you add up the number of stars, they don't match. Oh, I guess I never knew that. Yeah, because of Kentucky, Kentucky, Missouri. So they just counted them. Yeah, they were just like. Well, because well, to the Confederates, are like, oh yeah, we'll recognize your government because you are pro-Confederate, so we want you to be in charge. Even though if you like don't hold any territory, huh. yeah. Wow, it, well, okay. I mean that's the whole idea of a government in exile. Okay. So, um, so after all this, uh, like I said, uh, the pro-secessionist Kentuckians so they held their convention in November eighteen sixty one, declared secession. 
uh, but they had little support and never really held significant areas of Kentucky. So, uh, Kentucky would go on to become a significant battleground of the war, uh, with major battles at Mill Springs in January 1862, which I just visited recently. Um, where where is Mill Springs? Just uh, whereabouts uh, in Kentucky? Southern Kentucky. Okay, like um, central, south central. Yeah, like south central. Yeah. Okay. Um, Perryville in October of 1862 and the raids of John Hunt Morgan, like a cavalry raid, like raiding various areas. Um, Abraham Lincoln, of course, would oversaw the Union victory in the war before being assassinated in April 1865, which most people know. Uh, Jefferson Davis remained the Confederate president throughout the war, never standing trial. Uh, he died in December of 1889. Again, having never stood trial as a traitor, as he should have. Yeah. He was he was in prison for a couple of years, but then he was pardoned. By who? Uh, Andrew Johnson, who... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not necessarily regarded as a great president. Or a great human being. Yes, exactly. He was drunk at his own inauguration as vice president. I would be. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. But well, I'm well, sure for well, different reasons. Well, I'll... I'll tell you this once the episode's over, but, like, I'll show you, like, his actual inauguration speech, and it is... Oh, boy. <laughs> Man, uh, oh, Andrew Johnson. Okay. Yeah. Not Andrew Jackson. No. Damn it. Yeah, I always different, get confused. Different people. All right. Although, they're from the same state. And they're both garbage, so... Yeah. And they're both born in the same state, too, so... Wow. Um, Grant would, of course, become commander of all Union forces by the end of the war. He was elected to two terms as U.S. president mm-hmm. and would die in July of 1885. Uh, John C. Fremont, he was sidelined after controversial actions in Missouri. And like I said, like he just... <laughs> of it, course. Yeah, he was just a... He just couldn't keep his shit together. No. Uh, he, <laughs> he retired a... from the Army in 1864. He later served as governor of the Arizona Territory, when it's still territory, okay. before dying in July 1890. Uh, Gideon Pillow. Uh, well, you're... Well, this guy. So, he... Eventually, the Confederate forces are forced... Forces are forced (laughs) out of uh, western Kentucky. They go into western Tennessee. And uh, Grant's first big battles, like where they win, are the the battles of Fort Henry and Fort Donelson. Okay. And Gideon Pillow is at Fort Donelson. Okay. The night before Grant attacks... Pillow turns over command to his subordinate, Simon Bolivar Buckner, uh-huh. who turns command over to his subordinate, and then both of them just flee. They just leave. <laughs> they were like, we... Something's going down. Okay, bye. Yeah, we, we don't want to be trapped here and have to deal with this, so we're, a, we're just going to go. Here's a dumb question. Simon Bolivar... D- and he was named uh, Simon, Simon Bolivar Buckner was named after Simon Bolivar. Okay, that's yeah. what I thought, but I don't know who Simon Bolivar is. But I just heard the name. Before. Uh, he he led a lot of the uh, independence fights in South America against Spain. Okay, that's what I thought. In the eighteen tens twenties. Okay. Anyways. Uh yeah, so and this just ruins his reputation. <laughs> well, I mean, because he just flees before the like literally on the night before a big battle, he flees. He abandons his troops. He's like, "Here, you guys, uh, you got this. Here, um, here's command. Yeah, All right, cool. So, bye." Uh, he ended up dying in October 1878. Again, having never held, never been tried for committing treason. They were real forgiving back then, huh? Andrew Johnson was because he pardoned all of them. 
That's crazy. So did he just pardon all of the war criminals? Yep. Because they were war criminals. He could he part he pardoned all Confederates. Just all at once? Wow. Yep. Cool. Yeah. So but he was also a Confederate prior to his presidency, right? No. No. No, he was a, he was the only uh member of Congress from the South who stuck with the Union. <laughs> so he was kind of just like can't we all just be friends? Can't we all just get along? He, he he's a whole nother case. Or was like he a he, coward? He when he was president, he started just like well, he was also extremely racist. Oh, okay. So, so he's garbage. All right, yeah, continue, so just, please. Yeah, we're, we're not. This is not an Andrew Johnson podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, Brian McGoffin, he was kind of rendered powerless by the state legislature because they had a super majority in both chambers, so they could just override any of his vetoes. Sure. Because living in Ohio, we have no idea what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Um, even from a governor of their own party. Yeah. Um, yeah. He ended up resigning in February 1862, and he died in February 1885. Leonidas Polk, he would uh, serve in various commands during the war, not but always under somebody else. He was <laughs> always a subordinate general. They were like, you... We're can... not giving you a, a army command again. You don't get to make any big decisions. Uh, and he was killed at the Battle of Pine Mountain in June 1864. Oh, okay. So he did not get the chance to stand trial as a traitor. <laughs> Every any... time we talk about Confederates, I'm going to talk about how they didn't stand trial as a traitor. Did anybody ever? The only person convicted of war crimes... The only Confederate person convicted of war crimes was Captain Henry Wurz, who was the commandant of the Andersonville POW camp Okay. in Georgia. Andersonville was like... There's pictures of Union soldiers coming out of there looking like Holocaust survivors. Wow. Like literal skin and bones. Like, yeah, it was bad. And his trial, it was like so obvious that he committed these essentially crimes against humanity. Uh... Like, his trial didn't last long, and he was executed before they got the chance to pardon him. Wow. <laughs> so, because they Dang. weren't pardoned until, like, 1868. Like, so, like, three years had passed since oh, he okay. So, that trial went by pretty quickly. I see. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, that's... It, yeah, it, it's pretty simple. You just... Leonidas Polk just effed up by saying, hey, let's go to Kentucky. Which... Wow. Completely unraveled. I mean, I, th- I feel like I've effed up several times by saying, well, I just want to go to Kentucky. <laughs> um, just so. just to be on the safe side, uh, Kentucky listeners, we we do actually like Kentucky, and there are parts of Kentucky that we really like. It's just bad memories. It's nothing personal. Yeah. You know, you, you got your Mammoth Cave, and you got your, your Lincoln birthplace, and you got some battlefields. and Lexington is cool, and Louisville is too. I've never been to Louisville. That's okay. Anyways. You know, and you got plenty of... Uh, uh, breweries down there, so and, and, and whiskey distilleries and all of the bourbon places and, and the horses. Yep, the Derby. Anyways, and um, a Bond movie is the best Bond movie is set there. So there you go, you got that going for you. And uh, Goldfinger. Fire down below. Steven Seagal. Uh, well, she didn't. She went. She hadn't. She hadn't seen that yet. So I don't know good. about Kentucky and this. Anyways, so Leonidas K. Polk. He effed up. Yeah, and he uh, commanded his people into Kentucky and basically turned the war yeah. against the Confederacy. Yeah, if he had just waited, like uh, like I said, Fremont might have just bungled his way into it. So wow. if he had just been patient, and yeah, so um, so do you think if the Confederacy had flourished in Kentucky that the war would have gone a lot differently? 
Uh, yeah, I, I won't. I don't want to say for sure. Like, oh, good Pharisee would have won, but it, it it probably would have dragged out a lot longer mm. because and because Tennessee was kind of largely knocked out of the war. Okay, like earlier on than other areas. Okay, it wouldn't be able to like that wouldn't be able to happen if they had to take Kentucky first. Sure, like it, it probably just would have dragged it out more. Would have been a lot more bloody. Mm. More deaths. So, yeah. Okay. So. Um, Understood. Uh, my sources for this. Uh, Kent Brown. Uh, the Civil War Kentucky Battle for the Bluegrass State from 2000. Uh, Ron Chernow's pretty good biography of Grant. Uh, just called Grant. Oh, yeah. 2017. That's I, the one that you recently read. Yeah, I read that. And I was going to say, too. It was long, but it was very, very good. How uh, How did Grant die? Uh, throat cancer. That's right, because he smoked a lot, right? Smoked cigars, yep. He smoked cigars. Yep. Anyways, sorry. Uh, Kent Dollar, uh, Border Wars, The Civil War in Kentucky and Tennessee from 2015. Lowell Harrison, Kentucky's Governors from 2004. And Houston Horn, Leonidas Polk, Warrior Bishop of the Confederacy from 2019. Sounds like that one might be, like, pro-polk. It was a little bit. Ooh, weird. Well, maybe not pro-polk, but, like, you know... I would have treated him a little less favorably. I see. I see. But anyways, again, you know, I would. I probably don't treat any, or I wouldn't treat any Confederates with any degree of favor because <laughs> okay. they never stood trial for treason, except for that one guy, and he was executed. That was for war crimes. Okay. That was for treason. Okay. It was I see. for I see. war crimes. But nobody was ever charged with treason. No, nobody. No Confederate was ever charged with treason <laughs> after the Civil War. <laughs> I'm still bitter 160 years later. I think we got it. I'm making sure they do. Okay. All right. Cool. So, yeah. So, Leonidas Polk. Okay. He effed up. All right. All right. So, that's episode three. Um, What's coming up for episode four, Cody? Uh, We'll learn why you really just shouldn't be racist. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess more than just, like, not being a garbage human being, right? Uh, uh, maybe I can... Uh, I'll say majority rules. Okay. All right. Okay, so, yeah, uh, make sure you... The uh, thing that I learned that you should do when it comes to podcasts is if you like what we're doing, um, you should rate and review us. Because that keeps you up on the charts and podcast land or wherever it is that you're Uh listening to this um so next episode uh we'll do majority rules (laughs) i know who it is but i don't want to spit it out um so we'll cover that um in the meantime check out my podcast with my pod wife uh juliet it's called wander on check out our youtube channel the drunken pond um, where we play video games and, or sorry, play board games and drink beer and review it and yeah. do the produ- production on that. And your new YouTube channel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> my, th- my YouTube channel, it's called Three Minute Movies, where I spoil movies in three minutes or less. Um, aside from that, uh, I think that's it for episode yep. three. All right. I am Teresa. And I'm Cody. And this is We Have to Have